This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. This is one of the blessed psalms. You probably know it by heart, at least some of you do. The rest of you I know are familiar with it. But let's stand together, please, as we read the entire psalm, eight verses together tonight. I'll tell you what, I don't think we've done this in a while. Let's read it responsibly. I'll read the first verse and you read the second and so forth, okay? I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Our Father, we rejoice in thee tonight. How grateful we are, Lord, in our hearts for the privilege, the wonderful privilege we have to gather here. I pray you'll bless our gathering, Lord, as we look into your word. May the Spirit of God be our preacher tonight. Teach us what we need to know. God, help us to know that you're our defense, you're our protector. You are our helper. You are our sustainer. And I pray tonight, Lord, that this uh, particular passage will just be a source of strength and help to each of us. We pray this in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. I've entitled this message, The Second Song of Ascent. If you'll look in your Bible under the the Psalm 121, you'll see the phrase there, a song of decrees. In fact, if you'll look at the, the Psalm previous to that, Psalm 120, it says the same thing. And you can follow that through the rest of these Psalms, 15 of them, over to uh, 134. And each of those from 120 to, to 134 are called a song of degree. Um, the Hebrew word, word literally means they're elevations. And it's derived from the Hebrew verb that means to ascend. Thus we get the second song of ascent. And, um, and it's often translated steps in the Old Testament, that Hebrew word. And these songs of degrees or songs of ascent uh, are, are special groups of, a special group of 15 psalms that begin, as I stated, in Psalm 120 and continues through 134. And they're called pilgrim songs. Uh, many scholars believe that these psalms were sung by worshipers as they ascended the road to Jerusalem on the way to worship there as they attended the festivals, and some believe uh, the festivals that are described for us in Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 16. We'll not take the time to read that verse, but you can look it up. There are several 
festivals that are mentioned there in that verse. Others think that probably they were sung by the Levites as they ascended the steps of the temple to minister there in Jerusalem. But one thing we know for certain is that we should read these Psalms often and remind ourselves of God's care for us. There are so many good promises and so many wonderful statements made here in these, uh, in these brief verses, eight verses, that just give us some encouragement, especially in times of need, times of trouble. We can just look to God, and God is our helper. I believe that's the very reason why believers, including my brother, my brother, when he passed away, uh, stated that this was his favorite passage of scripture. And actually, that's when I started studying this psalm. I've read it many, many times. And I developed a message on this psalm to preach at his funeral. And many others have joined him, or he's joined many others that claim that Psalm 121 is their favorite passage in the Bible. And that's one of the reasons why I chose it tonight, uh, to read it, because there's a message here from God for us. Psalm 121 tells us of three wonderful truths about God, uh, that we must trust him. He's our helper, he's our protector, and he's our sustainer. And so let's look at the first one of those tonight. Um, we find this in verse, verses 1 and 2. God, the God of creation, is our helper. Let's read those two verses again. You don't need to read them aloud this time. Let me just read them to you. The psalmist, and I believe David wrote these psalms. In fact, there's one of them throughout here, Psalm 124, that says songs of the degree of David. But I believe David wrote this. He said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Where does our help come from? Well, David asked that question. My help comes from the Lord, he said, the maker of heaven and earth. And these are faithful verses of scripture that have brought much comfort to God's people over the years. And I know many of you have quoted these verses on many times, especially when there's been trials in your life and, and you just need to sense the presence and the goodness of God in your life. I hope you'll memorize this psalm if you never have. There's some things we could say about it. First of all, our help is not in the mountains that God created. Notice what he says here. He says, lift up thine eyes unto the hills from which cometh thy help. Was that David actually telling us that we can go to the hills for help? No. I believe his imagery here is the fact that the, the mountains remind us that we should look up. For there's our God. And he's the one from which we get our help. He is our helper. In Psalm 46, in verse 1, the scripture says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Our problem is that we, we seek our hope in the material things that are created, thinking that they're going to provide our needs and resolve our problems. Josh Booty wrote this. He said, nature is not the solution. It points to the solution. And that's what the hills do. They're not the solution. They point to the solution. They point to an almighty God that's there for the purpose of helping us. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork, the scripture says. 
And so our help is not in the mountains that God created. Our help comes from the maker of the heavens and the earth. Jeremiah in chapter 10 and verse 12 says, He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom. He hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. But the psalmist says, where does your help come from? And then he answers, my help cometh from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. This description of God as the maker of heaven and earth appears three times in the Psalms of Ascent. It's interesting that here at the very beginning in Psalm 121 and verse two, it's mentioned there. And then again, it appears, it appears in the middle of this uh, group of Psalms in Psalm 124 and verse eight. And then again at the end of it in Psalm 134 and verse three. Psalm 121 and 124 are, uh, it, it signifies the source of our help. When you come to Psalm 134, there's a designation of the source of our blessing. God's not only our help, he's our blessing. The Westminster Confession of Faith gives us a beautiful description of God's providence in his creation. And I'm quoting from that Westminster Confession. It says, God, the great creator of all things, doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things from the, from the greatest even unto the least by his most wise and holy uh, providence according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will to the praise and the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. End quote. What a wonderful description of our God who loves us and helps us. Wonderful God. What a difference it makes to know the creator of the universe as our helper and as our, as our friend. Not, not, how big are your problems? They're not as big as God. I can tell you that. I don't care how serious your problems are. Uh, they can't outmeasure God. He's a great God. He's a great God. One other author wrote, because God con controls the universe, chance is ruled out. And because it is God who controls the universe, fate is ruled out also. We live in a world neither of chance nor fate. It is God's world and God's providence. God's providence means that nothing can happen to you outside of the will of God and his providential care. Take note of that. And so God, the God of creation, is our helper. But then we find in verses 3 through 6 the fact that the God of creation is our protector. Let's look at those verses again, 3 through 6. I will not, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is the shade, thy shade on thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. A man leaving home for a trip prayed with his wife this prayer. Dear Lord, please protect my wife and children while I'm gone. His wife lifted her head and said, who do you think protects us when you're here? <laughs> well, that's a good question. <laughs> 
It's important to take note of the name of God here. And in, uh, in this and all of the 15 of the Psalms of accent, he is called Lord. And you'll notice that it's spelled with all capital letters. When you see Lord spelled with all capital letters, such as in verse 2, two times in verse 5, and then again in verses 7 and 8, the Hebrew word is Yahweh. That's God's covenant name. It's the name that, he, that speaks of God's covenant relationship with his people and his faithfulness to his people. And you know, as believers in Christ, we're also part of God's covenant people. And when we trust God's faithfulness to us in Christ, um, uh, we, we, uh, uh, you, can read, you can read in the Old Testament how God watched out for Israel and took care of them. And you can rest assured that he'll do the same thing for you. It's wonderful to see how God cared. Yeah, God is a God of judgment as well. And he had to judge, judge sin. But the truth is when people were, on, were, were serving God and, and were uh, trusting God, God was a God of protection. And God blessed them in a marvelous way. All believers in Christ are also a part of that covenant. The key word in these verses is the word keepeth. It comes from the he word shamar, which means this, to watch over, to protect, to preserve. It appears six times in verses 3 through 8. If you're in Christ, then he who watches over Israel watches over you as, as your, and your life as well. The God of Israel is your bodyguard. God is our protector he protects us from all accidents. You know, I think this is an important thing for us to realize. God protects us from all accidents. Look at the first part of verse 3. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. That means he's not going to let your foot slip. God protects us from accidents. In Psalm 37, the psalmist says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. God, listen carefully to this statement. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, okay? God doesn't allow accidents to happen to his children. What we call accidents, God considers to be incidents that are events that he allows, sometimes the reason of which we'll never know till eternity, at least not know today. And we just have to trust him through those accidents, those incidents that happen in our life, and realize that all things work together for good for those who love God. And he, he protects us from accidents, but also uh, he, never, he never slumbers nor sleeps. And that's what he tells us here in the rest of verse 3, and verse 4, he, never, he, he that keepeth thee shall not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. What a contrast to the God that the pagans called Baal. You remember that story back in 1 Kings chapter 18. When Baal didn't respond to his worshipers, Elijah turned to them and said, he shouted, shout a little louder, fellas. Perhaps he's in deep thought. Or maybe he's busy or traveling. 
Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. Well, their God must have been sleeping when they needed him. They not only didn't have much of a God, but our God is always awake and he never sleeps. He always is on watch. I was a night watchman one time many years ago when I was pastoring in Indianapolis. We started a church and uh, I had to have a job to support myself and my job was working security and I became a night watchman at a company and uh, I kept the gate. And I was called by somebody on the inside and given instructions not to let a certain truck pass, pass by me and get out the gate. Well, I was distracted and the truck got by me. I wasn't asleep, I didn't fall asleep. It was late at night, but I didn't fall asleep. I was distracted. But that doesn't happen on God's watch, folks. If God had been watching, that would not have happened. And God's never distracted. He's always there, he's always on watch. And so he never slumbers or sleeps. But also we find in verse five, that he's close by all the time. He's close by all the time. Look at verse 5. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade on thy right hand. In Psalm 16 and verse 8 we read this. I have set the Lord always before me because he is, he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. David says because he's there right at my right hand, I'm not going to be moved. I'm trusting in God. When the hills, the, the hills may be a far distance, but God is the shade at our right hand and accompanies our every step. He's close beside you. And God told Jacob in a dream when he left home and stepped out on his own. We just studied this in our Sunday school class last week. He, so, he told Jacob this. He says, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. Can you imagine that that young man that left home, he was in search for a wife, he was down in Beersheba going up to the northern part some 500 miles away looking for a wife. Can you imagine when he got to Bethel and had that dream there of that ladder and those angels ascending and descending and God speaking from the top of that saying, God, Jacob, I'll be with you. Every step you take, I'll be with you. Can you imagine the courage that instilled in that young man? Well, we can have that same courage because God has given us that same problem, 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 uh, promise. And then in verse 6, we find that he protects us at all times. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. He's always in protection. The travelers, as they traveled and marched to Jerusalem, faced many dangers along the way. Sunstroke by day was a very real danger, plus the extreme changes of temperature by day and night when the, when the moon was shining. There were always dangers of bandits and wild animals at night, but verse 6 gave them the assurance, the sun will not harm thee by day, and the moon will not harm thee at night. And the psalmist was given that same assurance. In Psalm 91, verses 5 and 7, we read these words. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor 
for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Oh, what wonderful protection he gives. We have a man in this church who is also in my Sunday school class. His name is Herschel, you know him. Herschel Haynes. He's a retired Navy SEAL. He did several tours in Afghanistan, and during one of those deployments, he got pinned down in a firefight with the Taliban in what was certainly a death situation for him. He knew if there was any possible chance of survival, he was going to have to stand up and run several yards to safety through a hail of bullets. Herschel told me this story himself. They whizzed all around him as he ran, scaping the ground on both sides. His fellow soldiers tried to cover for him, but they were helpless as well. Not one bullet touched him, not even his protective gear. He made it to a wall that was able to scale to safety. But what he didn't know while he was running he was running right into the enemy sniper fire that was shooting at him as well as the enemy shooting at him from behind. After he scaled that wall, his comrades were able to take out the sniper. I was referring in my Sunday school class to this verse in Psalm 91 and verse 5 that I read just a minute ago. And that's this, thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Herschel came up to me after class, and I'm quoting. He said this to me. Pastor, I learned in Afghanistan the meaning of not being afraid of the terror by night or even death. He said, then he told me the story that I just told you. But he added something to the story that's even more important than what I told you. He said this, and I'm quoting again. I learned through that experience and others that my only hope in life is Jesus Christ. He is my protection. He protected me when my fellow team members, SEAL team members, were helpless to protect me. He delivered me, he delivered me from all those bullets that, that the enemy had aimed right at me and around me. God must have bent that sniper's barrel or messed up the rifle sight on him so he wouldn't hit me. God is the God, the God of creation is indeed my protector. I wrote that as Herschel had t told me. And I, after I wrote it, I showed it to him and I said, Herschel, I want you to read through this and make any corrections. He made a couple corrections and then he gave me permission to tell you about that. What a story that is, folks. You know, we were discussing just recently, I forget where it was. I think it was on our staff retreat, if I'm not mistaken. We were talking about the angels and their protective, their protective skills. In the first chapter of the book of Hebrews, it says there are angels. The angels are uh, sent to us to be, uh, to be protectors. What is that? My mind is failing me here. I'm going to have to read it. Uh, they're sent forth to... They're sent forth to, somebody quote it. Give me the quotation. Uh, 
Can you? I'm going to read it. I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation? You know, we can't see angels. Maybe we have seen some. The Bible says that maybe we've uh, entertained some unawares, you know. Perhaps that's the case. But we don't normally see the angels. But I wonder, and I've wondered this many times, how many, how many times has the hordes of heaven protected us when we didn't even know it? My wife and I have traveled pretty much all over this country in the automobile, never had an accident. I thank God for that. Here's Kevin and Michelle sitting down here, travelers now, and God's protected you. We don't know how many times God's angels have watched over us and kept us. Isn't it wonderful to know that we do have guardian angels that do that? Such a wonderful thing. The Hebrew language often uses pairs of opposites to express totality, like morning and evening, as David wrote here in this psalm. They're called mirrorisms. Uh, this use of opposites uh, encompasses both extremes and everything in between, so that when you read the sun will not harm you by day and the moon will not harm you by night, God is telling you this. He protects you in the daytime and in the nighttime and in all the times in between. God is perfect to help. He's present to help in every problem of your life and he is your constant protector. And that brings us to the third thing that we find out about God here in this psalm. In verses seven and eight, we learn that the God of creation is our sustainer. It says this, the Lord shall preserve thee, not just preserve thee. It says the Lord shall preserve thee. And then it says it again in the next line, preserve thee from all evil. And then it says, he shall preserve thy soul. And then in verse eight, it says it again. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. There are some more of those mirrorisms in there in that last verse. So verses one through six, verses one through six are written in the present tense, describing what God is doing for us now. But if you'll notice verses seven and eight are written in the future tense, assuring us of what God's gonna do for us in the future. He's gonna sustain us and he's going to keep us there are several things to learn here in these two verses, and we'll look at these quickly. First of all, he watches over every aspect of our life. The Lord shall preserve thee from evil. He shall preserve thy soul. That word evil there in that verse seven can also be translated distress, adversity, iniquity, or calamity. 
Jesus taught us to pray something similar to that in the Lord's Prayer. When we ask the Lord to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from what? Evil. And all of those terms can be placed there as well. Distress, adversity, injury, calamity. God can deliver us. And we pray for that. One of my daily prayers for my wife and family, among other things, is, Lord, I pray that you'll protect my family today from all evil and danger and sickness and harm. This prayer for protection is one of, is one of the major ones that I pray each other. Why? Because I'm praying according to Christ's model that he gives us in the Lord's Prayer and also the model that we have here in Psalm 121. God watches over every aspect of our life. God doesn't say that we'll never have problems, but he promises to be with us in those problems and to turn all of our problems to our good and to his glory. Evil will never ultimately win out. Nothing can thwart God's purpose for your life. We have, the whole, we have a whole string of beautiful promises in Romans chapter 8 that assures us that God is directly involved in our lives and that he is for us, not against us. And here's just a few of them. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, I quoted it just a few moments ago, or at least part of it. And we know that all things work together for what's the next word? For good. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to them who are the called according to his promise. And then in verse 31 it says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can possibly be against us? I put the word possibly in there. And then in verses 37 through 39, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither heights, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you persuaded of that? Paul was. He said, I'm persuaded that nothing can separate from me from God. It doesn't matter what comes my way. The whole list, I, he, he doesn't, he, I think this is just a sampling of things that Paul had in mind that he wrote down here. It doesn't matter what comes our way. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He loves you, he loves you more than your wife or your husband does. He loves you more than your children do. And Paul was persuaded that none of these things can separate me from God's love. There's another thing we should learn here in the, last, in the second part of verse 8, or first part of verse 8, rather. He watches over every transition in our life. The Lord shall preserve thee, preserve thy going out and thy coming in. It's usually the transitions in life that trip us up, isn't it? Once we're in our safe zone, things go along pretty smoothly. But it's that in-between time, the commute, the move, the change of jobs, the change of health, the change of relationships. 
it's through the in-between times that we usually struggle the most. But you know God knows about those times too. Psalm 139 verses 2 through 4 says, Thou knowest my downsittings and my uprisings. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassed me, compassed my path, and in my lying down, thou art acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. And then a third thing we should learn here from the latter part of verse 8, he watches over us both now and forevermore. I remember the assurance that Jesus gave to his disciples after his resurrection as they launched out into the new era, era of their life and their ministry. He wasn't going to be with them anymore. He was about to ascend and leave them. But he didn't leave them without some hope and a promise. He said this, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Aren't you glad we have a God like that? What more could we ask of our creator? Why do we cower in fear when we know he's near? He created us and everything around us. And if you know him and are his child, if you are in God's family, not just by creation, but by the new spiritual creation, a new birth, he will then not leave you alone. He will never forsake you. He is our helper. You never have to fear evil in his presence. Almighty God is an awesome God, not a cool God. I said an awesome God. And when I come into his presence, I bow in all before him. I'm speechless to describe who he is. The words escape me to do him justice. We often use words like wonderment, astonishment, reverence, or even worshipful, but none of these are adequate to describe the one who created us and loves what he created so much that he was willing to give up his only begotten son, the most precious thing at his disposal as a sacrifice for us, pay the penalty of our death and our sins so we can spend eternity with him in his perfect heaven. I praise God for his presence. I, uh, I'm not always what he wanted me to be, but he's always what I've desired of him. He's the sufficient one. Let's stand together. Our Father God, we're so grateful for your presence with us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so. We don't deserve it. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for protecting us. And God, thank you for giving us the assurance that you will sustain us to the end. And I pray, God, that we'll leave this place tonight with that hope in our hearts. For we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241.
We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.